Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. I got a really good guest today on. His name is Carlos Reyes, and you've known him, you've seen him, you heard of him. He's everywhere right now on social media, and I'm honored to finally get him here on the show. I've been, uh, we're both real busy. He's especially busy, and so I said, um, I finally got a hold of him. I said, let's get you on the podcast and talk about real estate. One of the coolest things you're going to learn about Carlos is he's an entrepreneur at heart, doing a ton of real estate deals. But uh, he doesn't have all his eggs in one basket. And that's one of the things I want to talk to him about because he's, he's uh, got a lot of experience in business and uh, in running different businesses and in different industries. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. And a um, couple of things I want to tell you guys. If you don't have my book yet, I don't know what's wrong. Wholesaling Lease Options. This is my book. You can get it for free. Just go to wlobook.com and I'll get this book to you for free. Just pay a little bit of shipping and handling and send it out to you. The other thing I want to tell you, a lot of you guys have been asking about, I get messages all the time about how we do lease options and um, different strategies that we use to flip lease options. And so I want to encourage you to go get my, watch my masterclass. I just did a new webinar last week and I called it how to buy a house for $10 and use that house to pay off all your college student loans. And it was pretty cool. Something I've been thinking a lot about lately, how just one lease option deal, just one lease option deal will give you enough cash flow. That, okay, let me rewind a little bit. The average college student, former college student, has over um, $25,000 in student loan debt. Okay, And their monthly payments are over $280 a month on average, right? And if you total in the average credit card debt, which is about five or six grand, the total payments, Carlos looks like he's back here. How's it going? Carlos, there he is. Cool, man. All right. Good. <laughs> I was just talking about the um, my my webinar at sloclass.com. Beautiful. Did you know, Carlos, right now people have on average about $25,000 in student loan debts, right? And um, about five to $6,000 in credit card debts that just revolves every single month. The thing I love about this business, man, just one deal can wipe out all of your student loan debt, can wipe out all of your credit card debt, just one deal. And... Um, which is one of the reasons why I love this business, right? One one deal can change your entire life. Oh, for sure. It certainly yeah. can. So if you guys want to watch my class, it's free. Go to sloclass.com, sloclass.com. All right. So um, Carlos is in the house. Yes, sir. And, uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yes, sir. That's where our headquarters I'm right here in our headquarters right now. Nice. Okay. See, look at Carlos, man. He looks professional. He's in his office. I'm in my home office with a T-shirt and a hat that says smoke. Which, I, by the like way, I, don't, I don't smoke. This is a barbecue joint in Dallas, Fort Worth, Carlos. You got to go there. It's just called smoke. Next really? time you're in DFW. I'm, I'm there very often, so I may have to try it. Um, I always go to, what's that very popular one there, right by the, uh, the Cowboy Stadium? Oh, I don't know. The only other barbecue place I know in Dallas is near the uh, stockyards. Um, okay, I've been up. I've been up to the stockyards before too. I, I watch the. Uh, I go to Billy Bob's. Oh yeah, you've been to Billy Bob's. I yeah, I have. Uh, long Billy time. Bob's is, is great, man. They got pool tables. They got rodeo. They got you know freaking honky tonk. They got all kinds of stuff there. 
All right. So here we are, guys. Um, Carlos, if you've not heard of Carlos, I'm going to ask him to introduce himself to you here. Uh, He's been in the business not that long, but he is one of the biggest wholesalers in the country right now and uh, doing a ton of deals. And how many different markets are you in right now, Carlos? 12. 12 different markets. Nice. Unfortunately, by the way. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, by the way, we're trying to um, we're trying to pull out of some, um, okay. and we'll, we'll get into that. You know, average deal size, things like that. Um, res- you know, the the amount of resources that we spend, and yeah, we're gonna get really heavy, dive heavy into the numbers. Look at I got I got so my, I got a, I got a CFO right. Check out these numbers. Look at look at these numbers. Watch. Look at these numbers. <laughs> look at these numbers everywhere. Look. Quarter, I love it. Quarter one, quarter two, right? I, like we're all about numbers. Look at this. I got all my numbers right here. Um, I'll give you an example. This was um, as of quarter three when September started. You're going to find this a little sickening when I tell you this. All right. You ready? Mm -hmm. Because I found that very sickening too. (laughs) So year to date, up until September, because now we're in October, up until September, the total uh, marketing expenses were $876,150 with 16 cents. So if you calculate that up until September – We've been spending $97,350 a month in marketing costs every single month. You know, I, when we started this four, four years ago, our budget was $500 a month. <laughs> That's a good thing though, right? Because I've always said this, we're not in the real estate investing business. We're in the marketing business, right? Absolutely. And yeah. If you want to make a lot of money in business, you've got to invest a lot of money, time, resources, talent into marketing and learn how to generate leads. And you're a master at that, Carlos. You've been doing these um, all-in mastermind meetings where people come. And I have I heard about you about two years ago, Carlos. You were doing these events in Phoenix, like five grand to come in and spend a couple days with you and your team in a small group. And uh, people just were leaving those meetings like on cloud nine because of the amount of information they got from you guys. Yeah. And we, we have a mutual friend, Gavin Timms, and uh, he's, he was going to those telling me about these things. Uh, but I, let's rewind a little bit, Carlos. You've got a really cool story of how um, – talk about your parents. It's a gut-wrenching story, but it gives people a lot of context of kind of where you have came from. This is good. So, you know, it, as far as my parents go, and, you know, I was born in Mexico. I was born in uh, Sonora, Mexico. It's a northern part of Mexico, which, you know – Thank God, man, like I live in the greatest country on earth now, you know. Um, It took my mother a very long time to get me first what's called naturalized. And then I became a citizen in 2012. But that was a very long process. So my mom was, uh, you know, she in Mexico, we were born into, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. 99% of people in Mexico are, are pretty damn poor. We were born into poverty, extreme poverty and you know, uh, it was dirt, like literally like where I lived, there was, you know, dirt roads and the freaking houses were made out of like almost cardboard material, you know, like it, it, it was now to see at, at that point, it was, it wasn't abnormal, right? It was the norm, right? It was like, oh, this is, I guess this is what everybody's into. Everybody lives in this kind of environment. So it wasn't really abnormal. And then, you know, my, my mom just better, wanted a better life for us. My dad used to be very, um, mentally emotionally and physically abusive to my mom and uh, my mom was like you know what i can't do this i got to get myself out of this situation and i got to get my sons 
out of this environment and situation. There is no future here. So she made the trek. She made the journey to to California, and she worked there as a field worker. Uh, she left me and my brother behind uh, with my grandmother for a year. So that was very hard on me, you know, being a child and um, not having my mom with me, you know, wondering, like, why? You know, as a kid, you don't know any better. You're like, why does she leave? You know, what, what did I do? You know, that's where is she at? And she would um, – I didn't know the bigger, you know, I didn't know the greater purpose. I didn't, how can you really look at the bigger picture when you're a kid, right? Even if your grandma explains to you, you know, hey, you know, your mom loves you and she's going to be back. Um, she's just trying to make a better life for you and your brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, you can't really make a five-year-old understand that. So, okay. So she goes on and then she starts working the fields and she gets what's called amnesty, so she became uh, legal through amnesty in the late 80s, early 90s, because yeah. she was a field worker in California. And then her, her number one priority was to get uh, me and my brother, you know, out of Mexico. And, you know, she worked her ass off. She worked her butt off, worked two jobs, got me and my brother over uh, into California. And then, uh, you know, that, that didn't go too well. We only lasted probably two years before we just couldn't make it. You know, California is very expensive. Yeah. So we went, you know, we, we failed economically there in California, went back to uh, went back to Sonora, uh, Mexico. Now, you know, her and I kind of tag team. Uh, I'm I'm doing door to door freaking uh, sales uh, bread like I'm selling bread door to door. How old were you? Uh, this was prior. I was probably around seven years old. Wow. And then um, I'm doing that. And then I'm also uh, I've even put up pictures of me uh, bagging groceries. You know, I was a grocery bagger. Uh, at a retail store called uh, La Ley, which is like uh, a Walmart. It's owned by by Chinese folks down there. And um, so I start, you know, I, I knew English. So I positioned myself by by the resorts and I would bag groceries uh, and then I would bag it. And I would put it in a cart and I would take it out to the parking lot. And then, you know, it was you know, time. Give me, you know, <laughs> right tip, right tip. So me and my mother, she was working at the resorts uh, in San Carlos Bay. And I was doing the grocery thing and I was doing the door to door thing with the bread. And then we saved up enough money to send her to Phoenix. And she came to Phoenix. She started working at, um, at the airport, uh, you know, and, and then she saved up enough money, you know, because we can, I mean, there's so many details. I'm going to cut it short. Brought me over first before she brought, he brought my brother over before she brought my brother over and her and I, uh, we used to, we used to live in a two bedroom apartment with like, 12 other people and her and I used to sleep in the hallway. So people, you know, walk over us at six in the morning when they're getting, it, it was the typical immigrant story, man. And, and, and it was, it wasn't easy. It was very, very hard. It was very, 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 very hard. But you know what? Uh, we kept fighting through it. Then we brought my brother over and, you know, she was working two jobs, eight twenty-five an hour at the airport, $7 an hour at the cafeteria at an elementary school. And then, um, it was, you know, her and I just started grinding. I was always the man of the house, you know. So I kind of got my hustle and my work ethic from her, from seeing her just do this day in, day out, you know, seven days a week. And that's where I got a lot of my hustle and a lot of the good qualities that I have is from my mother. And, you know, we just, it's its your typical kind of underdog story. You know, we, we've, in California, before we went back, we yeah. lived under a freaking tree for two days because we didn't have the money, you know. It, it, it was I'm not going to, I didn't have much of a childhood, man. <laughs> I didn't have much of a childhood. And now I have two, I have two children of my own. 
I have a seven-year-old daughter. I have a one-year-old daughter. And I'm trying to do my absolute best to give them, to provide for them and give them a childhood, something that I didn't have, you know? And it wasn't my mother's fault. It was just, just the cards that we were dealt. You know, I can't blame my mother. I can't blame society. I can't blame God, you know, because I, I feel like adversity is what got me to where I am today. Adversity, what's that? Your mess becomes your testimony. Is that the word? Your mess becomes your message? Is that the way it is? Yeah. So, you know, I always say this. I always say that adversity was my X factor. Everybody has an X factor, right? And I feel like adversity was my X factor. And like the, you know, that old saying goes, um, calm waters never made a good sailor, right? So my waters were, were stormy for most of my life. <laughs> oh, man. And how's your mom doing now? She's still around? She's living the life. Thank God. She's doing good. You know, I, I bought her I bought her a car. I take care of every she has absolutely no bills. No bills. I'm in the process of buying her her own home. She lives she lives in the east wing of my uh, east wing cuz our house is 4500 square feet now. So she lives on on one side of the house and I barely even see her. I saw her this morning, you know, saw her this morning and uh and she was uh helping us with some laundry and things like that, but she's pretty much retired. Okay. Good for her. Thank God. Thank yeah. God, you know, yeah. You know, I was thinking about, um, you're talking about where you were raised, and uh, I was raised in a house like this. See that trailer? Yeah. That was me, right? I'm that kid right there. That's My dad true. was a janitor. Yeah. But still, and this was in Edmonton, Alberta, and wow. um, this thing got really cold in the wintertime. But oh, yeah. still, I grew up in, the, in a trailer. I was white trailer trash, and I didn't know I was poor. Right. No. I thought this was normal. I thought everybody normal. lived like this. Yep. And still, after hearing your story, I still was way better off than you were. I mean, it's just. Well, you had two thing. cars, so that's a start. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's amazing. And yet, so you, you kind of went through some of the stuff we went through when, uh, when wintertime came around. We really had no heating system. So you can literally do the. And like, you can see your breath, you know, during the winters. You know what I mean? Oh, and uh, we were we would warm up uh, water to to take you know somewhat of a uh, a warm shower you know so I, I'm totally with you man like everybody has their own story and and you know what no one can take away where you come from and and, and where you are now because look how far you've come from where you started you know we we all start differently you know we all start differently uh my start was a might have been a little lower but you know we're both we both did what we had to do with what we had. I thank God for our parents too. I know you've talked you've talked a lot in your social media before about the rough life your mother had, and it's heart wrenching, man. Uh, I, one of my best friends when I grew up in San Diego was from Mexico. His name was Henry, and um, I didn't. I don't think to this day I've never met a harder working mother than his mother. Um, it almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about it. I mean, she had four kids, you know, no dad, and. Um, the way she, how hard she worked to provide for her three or four kids. And it was like six people in a two bedroom apartment, maybe seven. But yeah, I mean, she always had food on the table for her kids. Oh, yeah. You know, she always had made sure they had warm clothes. They had, the, they, they got to school and don't ever mess. Well, what did he call her? Um, I forget the nickname that he had for her, but never mess with her because man, if you didn't, he didn't do his schoolwork. If he didn't do the dishes, if he didn't brush his teeth and, and comb his hair, he was in big, big trouble, right? And yeah. uh, he, he grew into a success. He's got his own business now doing really, really well. But um, that's You know what? Whether we want to accept this or not, our parents play a, a huge, huge role in, in what we become, right? 
-hmm. Like, you know, he saw his mother struggle, but he saw his mother's work ethic. I saw my mom struggle, but I saw her work ethic. And I saw that she never gave up. I'm like, how the hell does this lady like, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't speak a lick of English. You know, how the hell does she not give up? Like she just keeps going and going and going. And to us, it's like, for me, it was, it's easy for me, even though it was hard. It's a lot easier than how she had it. You know, it's a lot easier than what she had it. And, and I, I feel like we get a lot of our either work ethic or qualities or, personality traits from our parents in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, okay. So how did you get into real estate? What were you doing when you turned, when you were done with school or, or when you started getting, joining I, the workforce? Yeah. So I joined the workforce straight out of, um, straight out of high school, you know, straight out of high school. I started, you know, I, I had no choice, man. Like bills needed to get paid at home. And, you know, I, I started at, uh, you know, making $10 and 25 cents an hour. I was a shift manager and I was working for this company and, you know, this company, it was kind of the corporate structure. I started as a 17 year old there and I did really well. You know, I was uh, at that point, I, I was I, I think I consider myself an entrepreneur, right? Entrepreneur. And yeah. I started climbing very, very fast. And you know what? I um, I became the they call them. I was the youngest uh, retail branch manager to ever exist with this company it was called CM Retail Management. And I was a 19-year-old branch manager, so a lot of my people's skills and my development, my development capacity as far as personnel goes, it came from the corporate structure, you know? And that's why, like, we, you know, we, for the most part, we normally have a massive team and we develop a really good team and, and, and you know, we have really good onboarding processes for them. And, you know, a lot of us don't understand this, right? Even though we may not be where we want to be when we're in corporate in a corporate structure or the nine to five right we may complain and oh there's more life than this i can do better but little do we know that we're getting all these skills from these different experiences and jobs you know that like how would i would i ever see that far past my my current situation that i'm like oh my god i'm developing management skills because one day I may have a company of my own and I'm going to have to hire and develop, you know, people within my organization. Like, no, I wasn't thinking about that at the time, you know, but I've always been very thankful and grateful for everything, man. Like, you know, just having a job, you know, I, it was a milestone for me to make more than my mom. You know, when I got started making 10, 25 an hour, I came home uh, when I got my first check and I, you know, I was very, I showed it to her. I'm like, look, mom, I'm making 10, 25 an hour, you know, and she was so happy for me because she never made more made more than ten than eight twenty five an hour, you know. Wow. So that was a milestone. Now our parents want us to do better than you know than them, right? So that was a milestone for me. One day and, your kids are going to come to you and show you a check that's more than what you're making now. How cool God, is that? God willing, God God willing, and and you know what? But I'm I'm also programming them that it's not all about the checks and the money. Um, it's about being happy. It's about being fulfilled. It's about living a, a life with purpose. You know, I'm, I'm my seven year old, like I, I talk to her every morning. I drop her off at school every single morning. Um, and if we're not listening to like our church music or Christian music, um, we're, li- we're, we're going back and forth and we're talking life and we're talking perspective and we're talking programming because you know what? She may not have that X factor as far as adversity that I had, but she's going to have programming. That's something I didn't really have. Right. So I'm trying to you know, I, I'm trying to raise her uh, with, with whatever tools I've been given. You know, she may not have adversity, so I'm like, okay, well, she's not really going to have to go through 
you know, all the, the shit that I had to go through, but I somehow got to prepare this young person, this child to be successful in life. So I got to start programming her. I got to start giving her knowledge, knowledge that wasn't given to me at her age. So we all, you know, we all do it differently. Right. But back to the whole corporate structure thing, you know, I, I worked in corporate America for 14 years, man. Wow. That long. I didn't know it was that long. Well, I started working at a very young age. I'm 34. Okay. I'm 34 now. And I started working at a very, very young age and it's all I knew. And, um, but I always, I, I, I was, I was an entrepreneur by heart. And I always had an itch to grow and grow and grow and grow. So I was doing things on the side always, you know, like, you know, flipping cars, flipping clothes, whatever I can get my hands on, you know, making connections, whatever on the side, because it just wasn't enough for me. It wasn't so much the money. It was the uh, fulfillment part, the growth part. Good. All right. So how'd you find out about real estate? When did you meet your partners, uh, uh, Sal and Alex? What was the timeline of all that? Well, in the real estate, um, with our real estate organization, my business partner is Sal. Alex has his own company. It's called uh, uh, HomeOffer, HomeOffer.com, right? He has his own company. He's a one-man show, and he has his own company. But me and Sal were partners with National Cash Offer and uh, OfferKey.com. So that's we have our organization totally separate. He has a different office. He's across the hallway. What we do together is the, um, you know, the, the all-in entrepreneur stuff, the podcast and the education and stuff like that. But Sal and I, uh, we met in 2013 and we became, uh, we became just really like best friends. You know, we became brothers. We had so much in common, you know. Oh, there's Sal there. You want to say what's up to Joe McCall? Mr. Joe McCall. Sal, how you doing, how are man? You, man? I heard so many good things about you. I can't wait to meet you guys. Likewise, likewise. It's an honor. <laughs> so anyway, met him in 2013. Uh, right, became, yeah, for sure. Became best friends with him. And then, you know, we um, we became really good friends first. We didn't do any business first. Then we started doing a little business. You know, he was already flipping cars. He he had just opened up this small little retail shop of cars. How many cars do we think you had on that lot? 24. 24 cars on that lot, right? Used cars. And, you know, he liked my work ethic. He liked the way I, you know, the way I did things, I liked the way he did things. And then, um, in 2015 late, like literally really late 2015, we were like, look, man, we, we, we got to do something, man. We got to do something together. Let's do something. And we're like, what should we do? You know, car wash, coffee shop. What else were we thinking about? Car wash, coffee shops. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we thought of all kinds of different, uh, business ventures. And then I, I you know, I was like, look, you know, I've always wanted to do real estate. You know, I've always wanted to do real estate. Uh, and, you know, he was like, well, what do you know about real estate? I said, not much. Give me some time. Started studying, you know, Nick Reese, Alpha Home Flipping, Sean Terry, Flip to Freedom, right? I started just going in on all their stuff, free webinars, Flip to Freedom events. You know, I just started just, you know how it is, man. When you're just going, like, you become obsessed, right? Yeah. You, become oh, yeah. Obsessed. I, I, you know what? I was gift. I could say, I don't want to say lucky enough. But I was gifted by God to just become, I have this um, obsessive personality, right? This addictive personality that once I grab onto something, I just, I go, 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 go. And I can't get enough, right? So that's what happened. I I became obsessed. And then Sal, you know, I brought some stuff over to Sal and Sal became obsessed. And then, you know, we, we, we really, we technically really launched in 2016, uh, which was, yeah, three years and, and, you know, a little bit over three and a half years for sure. And then, you know, we, we just, the, the rest is history. We started grinding, man. We started doing everything and anything that we could 
to get our first deal. And it took us six months to land our first deal. Six months. And you were doing this in Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona, man. It was super competitive. You got all the all the educators and gurus here. You know, you got you got the Sean Terry's of the world. You got the uh, Cody Sperbers of the world. You have everybody. This is like the guru capital of the world. Phoenix, Arizona. You got Dean Graziosi also. Dean Graziosi's here. You know, everybody's here. You know? That's crazy. So you chose, and even back then in 2016, Phoenix was still very, very competitive back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so why did you decide Phoenix? And looking back, would you have done it differently? Well, I, I mean, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what, backyard. I didn't know yeah, it was our backyard. I didn't know what virtual wholesaling was, right? So it was, uh, what, what was, I heard something this morning. It was called uh, unconscious incompetence. Yeah. You know, it was my, it was our incompetence that led us to start doing this. You just didn't Arizona. know you weren't supposed to, yeah. But, but, but our first market was Las Vegas, Nevada, right up. We were like, okay, Phoenix is great. Phoenix is great. You know, we, we did some bandit signs and landed our first deal, made 5K, put that back into mail marketing. Believe it or not, mail marketing was hitting pretty strong back then. We uh we did mail marketing with another company. Um, what is what what is Jared's company called? Highest cash offer, Jared Vidalis, right? So we did, hey, you know, we're scared to spend money on, on marketing. You're scared to spend money on marketing. Let's put a twenty five hundred dollar campaign together, twelve fifty here, twelve fifty there. Um <laughs> What was that? Five thousand pieces of mail, maybe five thousand. I don't know, but we netted like we 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 net or actually no, we grossed sixty k our first campaign, so thirty k their way, thirty k our way. Let's do it again. We were still very scared to market. Twelve fifty there, twelve fifty here. Netted, uh, gross thirty k again, and then after that we were like, okay, guys, you guys do your thing, we do ours. This marketing thing seems to work, and uh, and then you guys let's just go our separate ways. Nice. So excellent. So yeah. That was 2016. You're now doing deals in Phoenix and you're doing just a lot of direct mail. One of the things that you're known for are your KPIs. You and Sal, when you, when you do your, 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 your live events, you're about the numbers, which I love. We saw on your window the other day. Absolutely. We're, I I mean, this is all we do all day, every day, you know, all day, every day. We are about, we are about the numbers. I can tell you, you know, how, how much we've spent, uh, into a particular market and what marketing avenue and how much money we got back as far as ROI and things like that. So we're, we're very strong. We weren't, by the way, the first two years we were flying completely blind. This just, this started in January of 2019. When we hired a CFO, we started digging really deep. We were, we were kind of already, you know, trying to dig, but we just didn't have the, uh, the knowledge to really dig deep like we do now with our CFO. I mean, she's taking what, three days, four days now uh, working from home just to get our, just to, to get our QuickBooks, right? So we have, we have some, uh, some, some files. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're heavy. Now we're really heavy into every single number in our organization because we like to look at our, 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 our company now uh, in black and white. Like, okay, this works, this doesn't data, 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 right? So we spent, you know, eight hundred freaking sixty-four thousand, like I said earlier, in, in in marketing. Let me go back. Eight hundred seventy-six thousand one hundred fifty dollars and sixteen cents. You know, it brought back five X. Okay, we're 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 good. We're not at our goal. Our goal this year was seven mil. We're not gonna hit it. We're not gonna hit it. It's unrealistic to say we're gonna hit it. But you know what? We know what we have to tweak, where we have to, you know, put the volume down and put the volume up. We know if it's the personnel side because. They're not converting, you know, they're, they're, the leads to conversion ratio isn't happening. 
or the marketing isn't giving back the response rate um, or, you know, or things like that. So we know every single moving part now, or at least we like to think that we know because of our KPIs. All right. Somebody told me one time um, in a mastermind that I was in that if you don't know your numbers, you don't have a real business. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was doing over seven figures a year thinking, what do you yeah. mean I don't have a real business? But he was absolutely right. We know because I was just, I was just 45, 60 days away from bankruptcy, right? Wow. If you don't know your numbers, you don't have a real business. Brandon, no. uh, Brandon is saying here came KPIs were a game changer for us. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, if if you don't if you don't know your numbers, it's going to be very difficult to scale it. You know, it's just to scale it um, the right way. It's if you're one of those guys, and ninety percent of people out there, nine out of ten people are doing it this way. I, we did it this way. You did it this way. Well, I see. You know, I see money leave, but I see more money come in. So I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> a lot of people are doing. That's the way they're flying. And and you know what? Um, at some point, it's going to be a really harsh reality. Because how do you know? what marketing avenue to to pull out from how do you know which one to turn it up on how do you know which market you know which market you know dallas forward san antonio vegas whatever how do you know which market to turn it down in or completely pull out you know like you're never you're not going to know these things if you're not keeping track if you're, you're just not how many different markets are you in now about a, a dozen is that what you said right Twelve. Okay. And how did you pick those markets? What made you decide, you know what, let's go bigger. Let's go into we, uh, these other markets. We always run specific, you know, specific data that we kind of have our, our, our process of like, okay, this is what's going to make us go into this market, right? We look at small things and just to keep it very, very vague, we look at things like, okay, what are, you know, how many cash transactions in that market? What are the average days on the market in that specific market? What else do we look at, Sal? We look at specific uh, average, like average medium sales, home sales price in that market. What other things can you think of when we run our, our, our data? And we run some of these things through like Infusionsoft. Uh, what's the other zip code data that we, we provide that we do? Uh, zip, code, yeah, zip codes to go. So we, we look at so many different factors before we yeah. pull the trigger on the market. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like, oh, look at, uh, you know, New York seems to be fine. I would never do business in New no. York, to be quite honest with you, you know? Uh, no, we, we look, we look at, we look at different things. You know, we, we, we look at s some of those factors and, and that's how we pull the trigger and say, you know what, this is a market worth digging into. We just, hired a, data we just hired a data science, a data scientist too. So um, and, and, and that's going to be extremely, extremely helpful. Believe it or not, we haven't had a data scientist this far. And if you're doing seven figures in your business, a year, eight figures. I mean, the goal is to everybody to do eight figures, right? You definitely need to hire a data scientist. How much, what are we paying as data scientists? Uh, I don't know. I have two of them. One of them is a proposal. They're different proposals. It's, it's, it's going to run you anywhere from like 20 to 30 bucks an hour, but so it's worth it or more, but it's worth it because you know what? Now you can take a look at all your deals and then create almost a target audience for your marketing too. Right? Well, at least, at least a fractional CFO, you know? Somebody that can help you with these coming up with the numbers and interpreting them. Well, well that's not a non-negotiable. If you're doing seven figures a year, you need to hire a CFO. Mm -hmm. That's a non-negotiable because that's how you're going to be able to get all these, you know, like this is, she put this together for us last week. It was a marketing, you know, marketing meeting. She gave us every single, you know, every single, you know, quarter three, quarter, quarter. This is all quarter three there, you know, quarter, quarter two closed. You know, all quarter two, like every single market, every single number, 
You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth, California markets, Vegas markets, Henderson, Ohio. So we were, I mean, she gives us everything. If you're doing seven figures, you have to hire a CFO for sure. Excellent. What are some of your favorite marketing channels for lead gen that are working for you today? So for, for the longest time in this order, this is what it was. It was pay-per-click, magnusdigital.com, uh, M-A-G-N-U-S, digital.com, Magnus Digital. Pay-per-click for the longest time. Pay-per-click took our business from being a mom-and-pop shop to being an actual player in the game, okay? Pay-per-click. Second was direct mail, and third was cold calling. But right now, it's cold calling, pay-per-click, and then direct mail. We use uh, turboletters.com through uh, direct mail, and we use the Google Postcard. Version 1 and version 2 of the Google Postcard, they both have had a really good response rate, and uh, our, our ROI on that is it actually went from 10 to 8, but 8 is still a good ROI for mail. Yeah, that's fantastic. But, yeah, but paper, again, cold calling, uh, we use callgeeks.com, callgeeks.com, cold calling, English speakers level 5. So cold calling, pay-per-click, and then direct mail. But it used to be pay-per-click, direct mail, and cold calling. So you know how it is. It, the market is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. And that's why you got to keep an eye on your numbers yeah. to know where to prioritize and move. Good. You've got some other businesses, Carlos, that you run as well. Would you mind talking about some of the other things that you're doing in, in, in addition to the real estate? For sure. For sure. So uh, we have a, a solar company. It's called Solar Fuse, solarfuse.com. Uh, we launched that business. When did we launch that business, Sal? Uh, we're going to two months in like less than a week. So it's going to be uh, two months now, but it's already, it's already, it's, it's already going to net a good amount of money. Our goal for the, uh, our three-year trajectory is at the three-year mark, we want to be producing 5 million girls for that company, but it's already doing pretty well. Thank God. And you know, what's really been helping that, uh, that company, the way that we market with real estate is the way that we're marketing through the solar company. You know, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like plug and play, you know? That's why I love this. You know, we're not real estate investors. We're marketing. marketing. We're marketers that do real estate investing. Absolutely. Because once you learn how to do marketing, you can run this in any kind of business, any business yeah. you want. So what our, else do you do? Our solar company's taken off. Um, we have National Medical Surplus. That company does about 4.2 uh, gross. So that company is a distribution company for, you know, aftermarket medical supplies. That's doing extremely well. Uh, we have inventorycity.com. That's an import-export company. And, uh, you know, that's the only company that's been losing that we've lost money in. But uh, Sal's telling me that we're going to turn around very soon. But that's an import-export uh, company from China that we run. Uh, we do a lot of uh, uh, tech, uh, technological parts like, um, what do we do there? Like this LCD screens for phones, you know, like iPhones, things like that. Massive, massive units of that. We're going into the CBD kind of air, uh, realm uh, with, with Inventory City. So uh, we do that. We have digital marketing companies. We have uh, – uh, what else can you think of, Sal, that's very, very productive for us? Uh, I don't know. We have big, big projects right now. I mean, let me look at see. Well, what uh, would you say? Well, I already, to, I already okay. told him about the medical company. That's doing, that's doing pretty well. Uh, cash price. Uh, investor Automation. Oh, InvestorAutomation.com. That's a very good – that company there is is um it's 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 Podio, but Podio on steroids. It's well, kind of KPIs are all there. Yeah, too. your KPIs are investoraudimation.com. Your Podio for 
investors. You know, that way you can actually scale your business. It's it's called the Hercules. It's a podio that's structured for investors to actually grow companies, scale companies, not just like one person or two people. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So we, it, it's, it, it, it's all across the board for sure. Cool. Talk about, uh, we got a few more minutes here, Carlos. Talk about these events that you do. How many times a year do you do them? The, the all-in match? It's only twice a year. See, we're not, we're not really educators, right? We're just guys that like, our passion is business. That's our passion. Our passion is business. So we're not really educators. Now, do we know how to throw these events? Yeah, we went to an event. We had a really bad taste in our mouth. We paid $3,000 and we just had a really bad taste in our mouth. We came back and we're like, you know what, guys? We got to do something. We have a really bad taste in our mouth. In my mouth. Let's do something. Boom. We threw our first event in June. It was a success. We threw another event in September of 2018. It was a success. And then we threw, uh, this is called Momentum, by the way, attendmomentum.com. This is your kind of higher scale entrepreneur. Like I, I want to go from a real estate hustler slash entrepreneur to a CEO. I want to actually build and scale. Oh, thank you, by the way. I want to actually build a company and, uh, and you know, actually create a well-oiled machine so that I can take some days off. I can, I can live somewhat of a, a life with some, you know, with time freedom, not just financial freedom, but the freedom of time where I can take my family out somewhere for a week or two. And, and the well-oiled machine is still pumping deals. You know, we actually teach you this stuff at momentum from your hiring process to, you know, your pay structure for all your positions and things like that. So it's a very amazing event. You don't keep the, you keep these small too. They're not like 500 people. No, no, no. This isn't a growth conference guys. This is a, this is a mastermind. We kind of keep it to hundred, 150 max. Nice. We're not, we're not looking, this is a thing. Like we're not looking to, to like, you know, be like, you know, like clout chasers, you know, like we want to have a, all our, all our, uh, our two day hot seat events have always been very personal. Nice. Cool. Yeah. It's all and, about business. So if someone's looking for like a raw, raw event, they got to go to another event because our event is like you're it's 20 hours, you know, 10 hours and 10 hours of just straight, like, Oh my God, you know, just writing, 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 you know, it, it's, it's amazing. It's like the, it's like the Harvard of real estate. I love it. Yeah. yeah I tell people too. listen, if you want inspiration, go watch Tony Robbins on YouTube or something. Oh, like Tony that. Robbins. Yes, sir. <laughs> he's yeah, he's I, got a lot of it. Okay. So, uh, you've given a lot of links and notes. I just want to let everybody know that if you go to the podcast website, realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can get all the show notes of this podcast and you can actually see the transcript of everything. Absolutely. Um, Carlos, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Can they just follow you on Instagram? Uh, my Instagram account is uh, official Carlos Reyes. And then, um, and then I also, ha- I'm also on Facebook. I'm, o- I'm almost at that capacity, you know, the 5,000 friends capacity on Facebook, which is stupid. So I do have a business page there too, Carlos Reyes. And then on YouTube, um, official Carlos Reyes also. And you know what? I'm, I'm very responsive. Um, even though I have freaking 249,000 uh, followers on there, thank God, you know, through, because we've been pumping money into this thing. We've been pumping content into this thing, as you can see. So it's, it hasn't been easy to grow this thing, but it's grown over the past three years. Uh, but I'm still very, very responsive. And you, you know, you and I actually first uh, made contact through there. Um, very responsive on social media. I try to, I try to be as helpful as I can. Like people ask me like, Hey man, I got this deal. What do I do? And then I just, boom, I try to, you know, I I learned that from like Gary V and Sean Terry that you should always, always, always respond to your audience. That's very good. Yeah. And, uh, Carlos is very entertaining and engaging on Instagram. I don't, 
I don't watch many people on the IG, but when I do, <laughs> I, I see Carlos. Thank so I um, appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you and Sal. Thank you, Sal, for everything oh, you guys are doing over there. Sure. We'll meet we'll be, soon. We got to meet soon in person. Um, by the way, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan myself. Uh, it oh, goes I'm not wearing my Cardinals hat. I know it goes all the way back to the Mark McGuire days. That was my favorite. Really? Yep. Growing up, I wore number 25. Oh man! You know, I, was, I, was, I was a first baseman. I'm 6'2", 240 pounds, so I'm a, I'm a pretty big big boy, you know. So Mark McGuire was my guy. That was my favorite guy. I knew there was something else I liked about you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, here you go. All right. Again, guys, uh, get the show notes. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out uh, their event, attendmomentum.com, attendmomentum.com. You Brother, can follow. At some point, if you don't mind, I got to have you on our podcast and talk, you know, creative financing. Let's do it. I tell people you're the creative financing king. So we'll fly you in. Uh, we'll, we'll take care of you um, and, and everything will be good. You'll, we'll go. You know, we'll go on live and everything, and uh, we'll teach people some creative financing. All right, man. We got to go. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you, you brother. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Yes, sir.